In this week's show, our guest is Cody Rhodes. He's a military medic that I met at the Buzzsprouts community. As I've been doing this show for the last five years, I've been struggling to have consistent guests and to really build up this uh, podcast radio show to the point of having a recurring guest and having topics that, that we can discuss that, that are relevant. Uh, we started joking around and, and talking about things that we're interested in, and they did a, a show about uh, aliens and conspiracies on his program. Right now, we have uh, very crucial stuff coming our way because of the political climate, as well as just people not being familiar with terms that people are using and, and abusing. As you have traveled in different parts of the world, do you feel that there's still the sense of America leading uh, in the world in just its its values and its morality? Or do you think that stuff is kind of disappearing and the other countries are becoming more and more resentful and they don't even care what America does? And no, surprisingly, a lot of them, uh, they, they, a lot of them do care um, because with a lot of the countries, uh, as I speak with other people from other countries and I've been to, and there was always something. South Korea was kind of rare. And then as I got further north into Europe, into Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, uh, they gave less less care about our political uh, effigies, really, because they loved the fact that we were there. So uh, you go through Poland, and I'm getting flipped off every five seconds on the Autobahn. And then as soon as I went into Lithuania, I have people waving at me naked on their balcony. It was a very weird situation as soon as we went through kids chasing us through the streets being all excited and just people cheering us as we drove through their very small kind of podunk country town um because they like the fact that we're there because if we weren't there russia would more than likely kind of just both bulldoze through uh lithuania and latvia so they they like the fact that we're there and south korea was kind of the same way uh they liked the fact that we were there because they knew that if we weren't there it would be a a lot of head push from North Korea and China. So I, I think it, it's kind of a mix up uh, depending on who you talk to. Uh, a majority of people don't mind Americans. Uh, it's more of the stereotypical hard right American that they don't like a lot of the time. And they learn that from the news and social media and pop culture and they've never really met one in real life because those people don't go to other countries. <laughs> the hardcore conservative red dude, he's not going to Germany. He's not going to leave Kentucky. Well, we say when, you know, people stereotype Mexicans or people who are Latinos is um, we have to be our best. We have to, show people that there is more to the stereotype and you're an ambassador for your people right and so uh and there's people who actually like fulfill the stereotype and do a horrible job at representing uh, a group of people and even if you want to get away from it and say well you know i was just passing through or that you know that country has no no influence on me now since i'm an american it's impossible to, to get away from it based on how other people see you. So that's why it's important to, to always be your best. And one way or another, if they, if they discriminate you or look at you based on where you're from, 
they, they need to get to know you as a citizen of the world and as a person who is in the same boat as everybody else. So, um, uh, well, I mean, sometimes people are going to, no matter what you do, you can be the nicest, simplest person in the world, and they're still going to kind of be against you because of what you, uh, what they think you stand for. Right. Um, one of my greater stories is, or just situations I had, one of my soldiers at my last unit, uh, she was gay and she was kind of really quiet around me, but I'm, I'm a very boisterous person. I'm very loud and I'm an NCO, so I'm a leader and I'm her boss. So I'm very loud. I'm usually barking orders and yelling at people. And so at first I could understand how I'm slightly intimidated, uh, purely by personality, physically, not a very intimidating person at all, but after a while, I, she kind of warmed up to me and I asked her, you know, why, why, why did it seem like you, you were intimidated by me? And part of it was that I always talk about my faith openly. And so she thought that might be an issue. Um, but I'm just, you know, your stereotypical white country boy, Christian. And one of my buddies was like, Hey, uh, Roach, do you give a shit that she doesn't like dudes? And I was like, no you do you or don't do you or don't do someone else. I don't care. You, you live your life the way you live it. And she's like, Oh, okay. And then we became good friends. We talked all the time about different stuff. And I think, I think it's that point that, that, uh, that point of understanding and just being an ambassador for who you want to be. We're told that every time we leave a post, every time we got to a new country, they said, be an ambassador for your country. Every soldier, um, whether we went to France, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, Belarus, Turkey, Georgia, wherever we went, uh, they would be like, you are an ambassador for your people and be such. And sometimes I'll admit I wasn't the best ambassador uh, when I'm sitting in a, in a pub and a soccer game's on and I'm just talking shit about how much soccer sucks um, just because as a person that grew up wrestling and watching football, I think soccer is a terrible sport, but that's my personal opinion. But I had one of my German friends lean over and he's like, you're being a real stereotypical American. Right now. I was like, and, check that. Like, and, I understand that. And I saw all the eyes staring at me from across then, the bar. And then you're <laughs> making the mistake to go into chaplaincy where you're going to be even in more scrutiny. Uh, and, and then it's kind of like I worked at this job and they said, if you go anywhere, take off your shirt that has our logo. Because we don't want people to say, hey, we saw him walking into the liquor store or whatever. But when you become a, a, a religious leader or a minister, now you have this type of uh, of concern of like, whatever I do now is going to affect me professionally. So I think that um, that's another thing that, that we have to think about. Um, and then when you decide to, to live your life uh, outspokenly religious or spiritual there's a sense of like you even god is watching what you're doing and whatever you do is going to affect someone's uh spiritual walk or discourage them or make them more excited about god or whatever so there's just so many things to worry about once you pursue this lifestyle so when you say that it's uh overpaid and underqualified what about with chaplaincy do you feel like you're getting the right education and you're being compensated properly or, or is it different than being a medic? So uh, as, as a medic, we're, we're definitely, we're kind of, for my medical 
position and job. I'm kind of overqualified for how much I'm getting paid. Uh, if you reflect it to the civilian side. Um, but as a chaplain, I think the education, I think is kind of imbalanced. Um, I, I don't really find why I have to get a master's in divinity to be a military chaplain. Um, when to be a normal chaplain or just a normal pastor, really all you need is kind of a bachelor's. Um, well, it depends which, like... It, it depends on where you want to work. And yeah, but that's one of my concerns with uh, some of these denominations. They all ordain people at age 16, and they don't even want a, a bachelor's because they're anti-intellectual. Uh, mm-hmm. So you have people who have really no business um, serving in certain environments, and they put them in because they're group gives them a lot of authority so um i think a a master is like it's just they want you to have the whole uh plenipy of uh of experience related to your religion because now that people I, I have no problem with getting the education of course right um because i i strive to learn as much as i can and that would be the path that i would be going eventually anyway Uh, My only problem with having to get my master's is just the amount of time it puts me out until I can do it. Right. Uh, Because I'm already, I've been in eight years. By the time I finish my bachelor's, which I'm completing right now, I'll be at 10 years. And then I have to get out of active duty to pursue my master's and be a full-time pastor for two years on top of that. Wow. That's another two, that's another three to five years on top of it. That doesn't count for my active time. So for me to retire at 20 years, I will have actually been in for 25, 26 years uh, full time. So that's my only real issue with the requirement of that master's. But when it comes to compensation, uh, there's the pay scale of being an officer. I'll be a captain, which earns a massive amount of money uh, compared to (laughs) what I get now as an NCO. Um, And sometimes it's not always equivalent. Um, some people say that uh, if you want to see socialism at, at its core, look in the military. Uh, it, it's very socialistically set. Okay. So, um, but not democratically social socialism. It's very like old school socialism with classes and levels because you have people doing the same thing as you, but they are deemed more important so they get more pay and more opportunities and benefits. So how much time you got available? Um... I have as much time as that one stays unconscious. <laughs> okay, because uh, we're actually going to do two shows now because you 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 hit the point of, of contention. This whole thing about socialism. So uh, I've heard comedians say, um, I love capitalism uh, because we're free, we can do whatever we want, we can start with zero and become a millionaire, whatever. But you drive on socialist roads, you go to socialist schools, you have socialist police and fire, and you have a military that is very well funded from taxpayers. So where's capitalism there? Mm-hmm. And and that's that's the challenge. It's like, they're calling it socialist, but like the problem with, with the word socialist is that it can be both a um, political system but also an economic system. And with and then people get confused and they say, "Well, we're we're capitalists, and that's our political view." And like, no, that's a economic view. That's an economic system is capitalism, 
but our system is a democratic republic and they work together. And then you have a country like Israel that started off as a democratic socialist and it still is, but they have become more capitalist as they've gone because the socialist experiment didn't work. When they started, they were plowing the land and everybody was conscripted in the military and they still are and everybody gets health care and no one ever criticizes Israel for being socialist because they're the good guys to a majority of Americans but you know you have Castro and uh, Hitler and all these other people who are socialistic uh, you know Castro is communist and then Hitler was uh, started off socialist then he became uh, like super conservative and then it was like a mixture of uh an empire and all this other crazy stuff we've had a show about that on our program so uh it's mostly used as like a like dictatorship was kind of what what it was more funded around right him so, so Stalin, and Mussolini were kind of like a dick uh was it dictatorial socialists so it's or, a, an authoritarian this? system is mm-hmm. equated to socialists but do you agree that that what I mentioned, the things that are um, paid for and funded by our tax um, taxes, that those are socialists, or would that be considered something else? Uh, I, I would say that the military is definitely on, on a socialist standard, um, where everyone is paid the same um, at different levels, right? So we have different ranks. And each rank has different pay uh, for different level of responsibilities as you go up. But everyone across that one board there gets paid exactly the same. So if I was a single E5 sergeant NCO, uh, another guy, same thing. He's going to be getting the same amount of money as me as long as we have the same requirements. You can do different things like airborne and get uh, special pay and stuff like that. But holistically, we get paid the same. And that guy could do nothing. And, and it's uh, independent of job, too. So he could be supply. I'm a medic. Um, he could do nothing. He could not even show up to work all week and just happen to skip out. And I'm working my ass off. We're getting the same paycheck. But couldn't he get fired? No. Not at all. So, I mean, you, you can't get fired, but I have known many people through my career that skirt that middle line. Uh, mm-hmm. We call them shammers. Let me tell you about some real shammers. Um, when I was going through orientation at the VA, the union shows up. And they're like, we'll give you $100 if you join our union. You know, I was only there for a year for a residency. And, they're, and then this is the example they use. We have a guy who is being accused of sexually harassing women, and he's still here. He's we've, He's been fighting that for 10 years, and he's still here. That was their high point? That yeah. was their selling point? Yes. <laughs> it was unbelievable. This is before the Me Too movement and all of that. Mm-hmm. I was like, what kind of lunatics uh, are we going to be working with? Because that was the, the culture. Mm-hmm. And maybe the union is corrupt and crazy, and and they were you know bribing people to join, but it's like when people say that's why we don't want socialism because a teacher is gonna just coast and not teach my children, and a VA employee is gonna coast and not do their work, 
And I saw a lot of people doing that when I was there. And then I saw a lot of people who actually took their job seriously and they did their best. So how do you keep a system like that? Sorry, sorry, Ruzan. How do you keep a system like the military, like the VA, like schools and other programs from the government from creating uh, that type of culture where as long as I've been here long enough or I've hit this kind of plateau, I can just coast, I can just not be competitive or professional and still get paid and they can't do anything to me and I'm just going to ride this roller coaster. Well, honestly, in in my opinion, it's uh, and what most people hate about the concept of socialism, it's oversight. Uh, oversight is what nips that in the bud. If you have people who those people who do care about their job, uh, those people who, regardless, you know, I'm getting paid the same as this other guy, but I'm going to work my tail off and try to do my best at the most simplest thing. Uh, you could give me the simplest task and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Not the best that can be done, the best of my ability. And this guy's sitting over here doing nothing. If you have proper oversight, which is what's slightly good about how the military works with our rank structure, we always have oversight. Uh, E4 and below, they're the workhorses. They get stuff done. E5, my level, we watch them. And then E6, they're watching me watch them and then seven and all the way up as you go up. And then you have the officers on that alternate scale doing the same thing. So if you have good oversight, you can cut that cancer of people that are just trying to sham because you have the people who do sham. But even in the military, there's so much oversight. It's very rare that you have someone that can just do it for a super long period of time. Eventually, one time or another, they're going to have to do their job. Um, so they may sham a majority of their time, but they're going to end up going to the field or deploying or doing their job one way or the other throughout their time so, because of that oversight. So, so no, no disrespect, but let's say that the main guy is a dirtbag and then the guy that he's supervising is a dirtbag and then everybody else on there are dirtbags. How do you get rid of people like that? Um... <laughs> that that is the that is the alternate hand of the uh, the shitty part of also the military being that is because if you have corruption at the top, uh, which the key you know multi dollar term in the military is toxic leadership. Mm-hmm. If you have that toxic leadership, uh, nothing changes. And luckily for us, since you know we rotate from different duty stations every two, three, four years. If you're there long enough, you just wait it out and that toxic leader will go and someone else will come through and you're hoping that they're a good person, which we've done before. We've, I had a, a NCO that was just skating. He was just coasting until he retired. And then the officer right above him, he was a shitbag, And we were all just waiting for him to leave both of them just to get out. And then we got a leader who actually cared about us and worked for us. And I've had good leadership since then. But when you have that corruption at the top level, it's hard. And that's where the checks and balances come in, right? Uh, like with our with the democracy, um, the president is not infallible. He's not the end-all, be-all. He has, he has checks and balances, but the checks and balances fail when you have multiple sides. Like with this current impeachment process, uh, 
the checks and balances. They said, okay, we impeached him, but then it has to go up to remove him from office to the Senate, which happens to be Republican, which aren't going to go against the Republican president. That's why it didn't end up the way that most people wanted it to go. Um, And that's an example of the checks and balances. But as with anything, you can never have a perfect system, I don't think. And you you can try to have to your best ability to get it as perfect and as equal and as moral and equality all the way across the board. But um, seeing the way with the military, the way it's worked is you can always just try to make your area the best that you can, which is uh, kind of the demonstration between states creating their own legislation. They're trying to create their states the best and also adhere to uh, federal law as well. Let me ask you this. So it's the, from a minister to a fellow minister, would, don't you think that it would be a better world if we just had a militant state? Uh, a militant state? Or a military state. Like uh, the same thing that you guys are doing, just spread the love everywhere. The whole country being run like the military. Wouldn't that no. be better? Why no. not? <laughs> um, you love the military. You want to be there for many years. What would be the problem with like just making everything work like the way the military works? Uh, there's no freedom. It's lack of freedom. So a common complaint that you'll hear, and uh, we speak about it on my podcast a, a few times. We try not to talk about the military all the time. You're not um, even allowed to talk about current wars. So, uh, so we, we can talk well, about it, but we, like, we can't talk about like operational security, stuff like that. Oh, of um, course, but like right now you're sharing your opinion. What's, what's stopping you from, from being free? So it's if it was a militant state – uh, this wouldn't be a thing because so then you would be, everyone would be soldiers. Everyone would have that oversight all the time. So you're doing it on your spare time. So, so right now the military is volunteers. So from this time to this time, you're not allowed to do whatever you want, but, but right now at night at your home, you can do whatever you want. Yes. I'm, I'm out of uniform. I can do what I want to, to a point, right? Uh, many States have uh, legal marijuana, I cannot, even if I reside in that state, smoke marijuana. Do you live in the base? Yes. So, even if I lived off post, though. No, but let's say that right now you were throwing a wild party. They would come mm-hmm. shut it down, right? No. No? No. You can do whatever you want. For the most part, yes. Okay. Good. And th- so my, my point is, and I, I, I know where you're going with this, so it's, it's the military now. Um, but... I don't think that it would be as open as it is now to where it would go because this is, they let civilians be civilians. So when I'm, they have civilians on this base and when I'm out of uniform and I'm off work, I abide by military law and regulations, but they let me kind of do my thing as long as it adheres by their regulations. So they don't have a problem with me having a house party. They have a problem with me having marijuana at this house party, even if the state is legal. Okay. Um, even if so, I'm off post so. and I don't reside on military installation, I still can't have it there. So, so um, my wife, who is a civilian and not in the military at all, she can't even have cannabis or cannabinoid oil hey, inside hey the house because it's against regulation. Let me show you my, my hat. Mm-hmm. Um, is there something about weed on it? Um, 
It says. Uh, uh, oh, no, it says reggae on there. It says uh, <laughs> this is how people would say. Yeah. So, oh, here in one love, it has a marijuana plant. Uh, uh, I actually just just to be honest, and they're gonna kick me off the radio. I hate marijuana. I think marijuana is is a gateway drug and it's very destructive. But I wear this hat because I'm, I have a friend who's a Rastafarian and Rastafarianism has a lot of connections to Judaism. But um, the reason that, like, so I can tell that you're a marijuana proponent just by how much you've been talking about marijuana. But uh, the point of, of what I was saying about turning the whole country into uh, a military state is because I was going to have, um, this is another reason to get kicked out of my radio station that was very progressive, is that I was going to have a, a Jewish scholar from uh, San Jose uh, University who we were going to talk about um, military um, history and somehow connected to uh, Israel-Palestine. So the point was that let's say that you dislike everything that the state of Israel has done from the beginning, from when they were founded up until now. Objectively speaking, and thinking in a military uh, perspective, there are certain things that they have done based on security and military tactics. So I wanted to talk to him and see if you can justify some of the stuff that they're doing now, which some people would consider to be uh, military state-like, because the way they deal with the borders and the access to resources and stuff like that. Because in the progressive perspective, everything they do is um, evil and um, unjust and anti-human rights and all that stuff. So then it's like, okay, let's say that, that that's true for a moment. Is there any military and tactical reasons for that people would do that that could be justified? Um, and then, you know, people say, well, you're, you're just an apologist for the state of Israel. It's like, no, I want to know if in a perfect world, people could get along with each other. In a perfect world, people um, would be able to share the Holy Land and have a peaceful life. But in the world that we live in, there's so many factions and so many, um, you know, in 67, they were attacked from all sides. And there were like huge armies uh, from all the Arab countries. So it seems to me that a lot of the stuff they're doing, that it is coming off very negatively, has to do with the fear of experiencing the same type of uh, attack. And they have made all these um, very um, difficult decisions and difficult uh, tactics to avoid a kind of apocalyptic scenario of being destroyed and crushed because they're the very smaller size of New Jersey. Um, so going back to stop of socialism, um, if the military is a place that you enjoy and that you have, um, you have thrived in to live in a militant state is the same idea. Like it's like Cuba. Um, they felt that they they were being taken advantage of by the Spanish and they kicked them out. And then the American mafia came in and they started using um, Habana as like their Vegas. 
and some people felt that they were being taken advantage of again, and they kicked them out. And then the revolutionaries took over and they kicked out their their previous dictator or previous president or whatever. And then they made it into a militant state where everything is controlled and everybody does what the leaders want. But just like it happened in Russia and in other places, they became as corrupt or even more than the original uh, leaders. And then it became authoritarian and and they would kill all their enemies and stuff like that to keep the status quo that they had built, that it was total equality and communistic system of, it's, you don't do what you're good at, you do what the country needs. Uh, so I believe that in Israel and in other smaller countries, they have like mixture between democracy and socialism because of the limited resources and the limited ability of, of surviving and stuff like that in such a difficult environment. So if America did the same thing, I don't even know how they would do it because it would be very difficult to implement this kind of authoritarian socialism. But if you want to have a healthcare system that works, if you want to have a social um, safety net and other programs that are um, across the board, you would have to pretty much do that because um, all those programs are very dysfunctional. I, I am not only a chaplain, I'm also a community health worker. And whenever I try to reach uh, resources for, uh, for my patients, it's practically impossible. So in one of your shows, you mentioned that the Democrats want to just you know, give you all this free stuff or claim to give you all this free stuff. It's like they can claim all day long, but it's not going to happen because there's not the resources to back it up and there's not the systems to make it happen. And if there is, they're so poorly run and they're so um, dysfunctional that, um, you know, in Fox News, they'll say that people stand on the uh, handout line and then they walk in and they get a big basket full of goodies. Mm. That's that's a lie and that's propaganda because that doesn't happen. Uh, maybe if you go to some church, they'll give you a bunch of clothes and some food. But that's about it. Everything else is so many requirements. You have to prove that you're broke. You got to prove that you live in the zip code. You got to prove that uh, you're a citizen or you or not involved in any criminal activity. There's so many requirements for everything that you would spend all your life trying to meet these requirements and then you would get a, a loaf of bread and a can of peanut butter and they would expect you to live uh, from that. So well, um, Most of the people who complain about that when it comes to welfare and stuff have uh, never been on it. Right. Uh, <laughs> so they say, oh, it's all these free handouts. Um, my family had food stamps. My parents have collected uh, unemployment. Uh there's a lot to it. I've, I've been with them in the offices and, you know, as a small child. And, and I, so to be clear, I don't know if it was me that said anything okay. about the handouts. Um, okay. It may have been our very, very, <laughs> our more conservative co-host for, um, he's our, he's our more far right side. I wouldn't say far right side. He's more of our right side voice. Okay. Um, but with that, it's uh I have no problem with the, the, the welfare uh, part of socialism. And 
uh, I've discussed with friends in the past, and I'll admit I'm not a huge expert on capitalism or socialism or even social politics, um, but the concept of socialism and even the concept of the militant state or a lot of them, they're great on paper. And as long as you, and as soon as you take human morality and human compromisability and put it in the equation, that's when you get the, the Hitler's, the Mussolini's, the Stalin's, the uh, Fidel Castro's, that's when it evolves into those things. So on paper, they sound great and they would work fantastically. Um, if it wasn't ran by a person that could be compromised and has an ego and pride and all and corruptibility. And I think uh, democracy, at least when it comes uh, politically is kind of the only one that can't be as compromised. Um, it can obviously still be compromised, uh, but not as much as would say socialism or uh, communism, militant states, dictatorships. Uh, democracy is the most even ground one. Uh, but I think you know, when it comes to the economic points, socialism and capitalism both have good arguments and good points um, if they were done right. Uh, Tim Allen, uh, I, I love Tim Allen. I, I watched his show last week. My hero. Lot and, uh, I, I love I love what he says and what he does. He's hilarious. And on a show, Last Man Standing, one of the latest episodes, it was on capitalism. And during the, the vlog at the very end, he stated that capitalism only works with a little bit of morality. Like that is that is when capitalism tastes the best is with a sprinkle of morality. And I, I think that's true with a little bit of compassion and morality. That's where these things come together. But for every business owner or enterprise owner in, uh, in this capitalist society that is using morality, you have someone else who's not. And so the only way to fix that, like you asked earlier, is with oversight. And what do a general amount of capitalist uh, Republicans hate about the government? Oversight. And so, <laughs> and so that it, you're kind of feeding back into this world where they – don't like the other person taking advantage of the consumer, uh, but they also don't want the government putting their hands in the regulations. It's, it's just, um, to me, it's ridiculous to have free reign capitalism because um, if, I agree. I if agree. the ultimate purpose is to make money, you cannot be moral and money-driven at the same time. He's, it's funny he said a sprinkle because when he says a sprinkle, that makes me mad because as as uh, someone who who values I'm to paraphrase, but I believe he said a sprinkle of it. Well, um, but but again, it's like that you're giving an out. Like I'm a little moral, but like the thing is, if you don't have high um, morality and like a sense of of righteousness. Um, is you're going to be corrupted very easily if your only goal in life is to make money. My dad used to tell me, I think I, um, one of my guests said, uh, actually, it was another comedian. Uh, I hate to quote comedians when we're talking about serious subjects because I'm not getting my morality from comedians. But um, the um, uh, Manaj, the the guy that has the show on Netflix. Oh, uh, uh, um Yes. I, I love his show. I watch it. Um, he he said that his his 
His uncle. You had him on as a guest. No, I wish I would have him as a guest. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, wow, you're, you're getting up there. On his show, he said um, that his uncle told him, you either make a lot of money or change people's lives. Like, you can't do both. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my dad's philosophy, too. He's like, if you're going to go into social service, you're going to be broke. And you're going to be frustrated because you can't fund your nonprofits and your projects. Go become rich first, and then you can be a humanitarian. But if you do it the other way, it's never going to work. And and there's something to that because, again, if, if your goal is helping people, you might be able to fundraise, you might be able, but it's going to be very challenging. And if your goal is to make money, you're going to have to make um, decisions that undermine morality because money is um, is a commodity, is something that, that uh, corrupts very easily. So... Um, or it's something where you have to combine the two, um, as you find with some uh, nonprofits and some foundations, they have people who back them, um, and it comes out in the news all the time, specifically with like political races, where they're you know they're trying to do their best and do good things, but they don't have the money, so they have people back them, and then those people who back them might be doing some sketchy stuff in the background, well, and then that comes out. So even the cartels build churches in Mexico, so you could say that. They're good Catholics because they're supporting the Catholic Church or whatever. When it's all said and done, um, it's kind of like my issue with with um, you can't be um, a, a, a religious centered state and a democracy at the same time, because a democracy requires for equal uh, participation, equal rights of all races, all religions, stuff like that. But if your country, like Saudi Arabia or those, well, those places are dictatorship. If you claim that your that your country is ethnocentric, like I think Ireland is a good example. They try to compare that. Ireland is a Catholic country, but they're also a democracy. Yeah. How can it be a Catholic country and a democracy? Because they have such small a percentage of Jews, Muslims, and other groups that the majority population those are the values and those are the the things that they matter to them, but but it's, it's a misnomer because if you're Catholic, the only thing that you care about is propagating the faith and building the kingdom of God through the Catholic Church. And everybody else who's not part of it, they're like second-class citizens because they're not participating in the full integration. And that's what some people have issues with the, the state of Israel and other so-called democracies in the Middle East. So uh, going back to socialism and what we're talking about with capitalism and all that, is the capitalism... Um, if you're trying to make your board um, happy by increasing profit, then the environment, the you know the overall needs of the people are gonna go to the because you have to prove that you're making money. So it's like your success is on the creation of capital, is not on um, values or morals that are part of, of human society. The only way that I would see that you could have uh, a good business that was fully capitalist is if the board members had oversight and they instilled a culture of respect to the environment, respect for people, and and caring about others. Now, people will say, oh, well, Hobby Lobby and uh, uh, Chick-fil-A are an example of capitalist um, moral people because they, they don't work on Sunday. It's like, come on, man. That's fantastic that they give people the, the Lord's Day off, but 
are they paying people? It's like Amazon made me mad because they bought Whole Foods. Whole Foods was super expensive to begin with. And now it's even more expensive or less accessible. And the people that work there cannot afford to buy groceries there. So don't tell me that the progressive side is better because they're doing, they don't, speaking of marijuana, they don't test people that work there. Um, So, you know, people who are into that, they go work there. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's on both sides, like you're saying. And um, it's, it's unchecked capitalism. Um, Capitalism is, is great as I've heard it been argued because, you know, that, that open realm of competition sometimes, or at least primarily how it was designed was to present competition. So you stayed here and you wouldn't have this when it came to pricing or accessibility. Um, But sadly, a lot of the time it goes here and then it ends up doing this competitively because people are greedy and they're trying to make money uh, like with pharmaceutical companies. In some states in Colorado, thankfully, was one of the first states that actually made it in the law that if you wanted to sell insulin in the state of Colorado, you had to have it down to like, I think, 25 bucks. Um, It was super accessible uh, because insulin was going at about a grand for a dosage of insulin for people. And people were dying or having to choose, oh, do I pay my electrical bill or do I not die from diabetic ketoacidosis today and so it it, and that and then um i could get into a whole rant about pharmaceutical companies and opioids and we're gonna finish with this um so one thing that angers me is when religious people say you need to vote your conscience because that's code words for you need to vote republican and and they push republican candidates all the time and it's actually an issue with uh, them being nonprofits and all that. So, you know, I hear it from my Catholic friends. I hear it from a lot of people. You know, you have to vote Republican because they are family values, uh, pro-life, and all these things. And and the other guys are crazy, and they want to just destroy the whole world. Um, but the issue that comes back to your conscience, just like we were talking about chaplains, participating in, in destructive stuff uh, led by the, their governments is that you have to look at the overall picture. Like what, not only the words that are coming, like if someone says democratic socialist, oh, he's just a Castro supporter. And someone says, uh, you know, money, 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 I'm going to make you all rich. Oh, he's just a mobster. So it's easy to dismiss people from the words that come out of their mouth. But the platform and the and the policy that they are pushing, is it a moral thing overall? So if if you're a one-issue voter, I have friends that are like, if you support Israel, even if you're the worst person in the world, but you're going to make sure that Israel is protected, I'm going to vote for you. Or if you support... uh, The Second Amendment is the big one. The Second Amendment, or if you are anti-abortion, you know, you can be like... You know, and that's why this guy got elected. So the biggest issue is like, let's look at the whole picture. Are the policies and the things that this person is pushing, are they beneficial to the whole country? Because um, 
I don't know how to communicate this to, to everyone is that we're all in the boat together. And if you bring up an issue like, I want to support this one species of animal that is going to die if we don't, you know, protect the fo this forest, not all forests, just this forest, and that's your only issue, you're, you're alienating the rest of the people that don't really care about that animal. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's what, like, so they pick these big issues that are polarizing, and they talk about them, and they might not even be able to do anything about it. Trump hasn't tried to stop, well, he has in some ways, tried to stop uh, legal abortion. Um, so... That's one of the issues. Like my issue with George um, uh, Bush was that he would throw bones at Christians. He would talk about family values. He would talk about supporting the military. He would talk, about, and then not do anything about it. Um, and one of my biggest uh, concerns about military, uh, the funding of the military, is that we're funding war and we're funding buying weapons, but we're not funding housing for veterans we're not funding ongoing medical support for them mm -hmm. so there's a huge military bu budget but it's not being allocated correctly so the issue with bernie sanders and trump whoever gets elected is that we're not talking about philosophies or ideas we're talking about the allocation of resources so when bernie says i'm going to allocate resources to help people get an education get people uh, healthy, to get people, um, you know, whatever is lacking. To me, that is something that my conscience, uh, that I can sleep at night thinking, okay, I have someone who has the interests of the people in mind. But then the other philosophy is like, if I take care of all the millionaires and all the corporations, they're going to take care of their workers and they're going to support the people. And if the churches can... Uh, preach their religious freely and if the babies are uh, brought to this world everything's going to be fine and dandy I know again we're all working for the same goals but the the way that the resources are allocated is what's worrying me and mm -hmm. that and then that people are being um, fairly taxed uh, and fairly um, the resources are coming in because if all the big corporations find loopholes and it's only us, the little people funding the government, that's not sustainable. It's going to pop. So I feel that a lot of times politicians, they play games with people's lives and with resources, and then they don't realize that they're actually making the problem worse and worse. And I don't know how this, this experiment, again, is going to be able to um, exist if we don't create the right oversight and the right systems to keep it going i feel like we're we're like playing um uh, the lottery or, or um we're at a casino throwing in all our money and seeing if we if it comes back when it comes on social security and things like that we're not being responsible with the, the resources yeah i mean i think it it comes down um a big thing i always talk about is, is compassion it, it if people had a simple basis of compassion, we could find a middle ground and bridge those gaps between the two. If we could find the perfect gap between uh, democratic socialism, democratic ca capitalism, I think that that would be the perfect mind meld of 
you know, the, the principles, but with the oversight and creating opportunities for everyone equally. Um, it, everyone should have access to healthcare. Um, we should be taking care of our veterans and our homeless, regardless if you think that they're lazy, no good people, give them that opportunity. Um, I was raised to help people. I was always, you, the a thing I would always say about my father and my wife has said it about me is we'll give you the shirt off our backs because you need it more than me. I can handle without it. You need it now because you don't have a shirt. I have one. And if we could help each other have a little bit of compassion. And I think a problem with a lot of people, the reason why they have a problem with it is because they're not there. They've never had to sleep on the streets and they don't understand the concept of empathy and what it would be like to be there and to not have access to your medical care, not have access to a better life because you don't have access to better education. Um, because your family's poor or you just don't have that opportunity. You live in a low socio, you know, uh, area, a low income poverty area. It happens all the time. And I think that that's just a big thing. Uh, compassion. If people have compassion and understanding, we can find that middle ground. And like you said, it's, it's a social experiment as I think any country is. They're always trying to figure out like what the next thing will be. Uh, UK with Brexit. They're like, this seems like a great idea. And then now it's actually like it started in the EU it was like, okay, well it's time to get out. And they're like, well, hold on. Well, no, we're not ready yet. <laughs> and it, it's happening the same thing here. I'm, I'm very interested to see how the 2020 election goes and the next four years after that, um, because either it's continuing down this social uh, construct experiment, uh, like you said, with our current president, seeing how that goes if it continues or um someone like bernie sanders uh i'm not a huge fan but i'm almost kind of rooting for bernie sanders just because i say uh let's see what happens like he's so far on the opposite side like what could go wrong <laughs> like you almost just gotta see uh what the possibility is what can go wrong is that the People, what I talked about in the last um, thing, and we're going to close, is that people are going to build sympathy over the, even though he's the forerunner, he's uh, the underdog. Mm -hmm. So I, I think the way that, that America shows compassion is that they actually prop up an underdog. And it happened with Trump. Even Trump, even though Trump was so aggressive and and mean and hateful, he became the underdog because he was the only one that supposedly was speaking his mind and who was being straight up. Everybody else seemed so fake that then everybody was rooting for this almost um, Teddy Roosevelt or, or Huck Finn or something like some hero of the masses who might not be perfect, but he's, he's a straight shooter and he's someone that, that, that is fighting the establishment. And now we have the same thing uh, happening with Bernie and maybe he's nuts and maybe he's uh, uh, creating more contention and more division. But it's this idea of like, hey, man, we've been going this path and it seems like it's, it's not working out. Let's give somebody else a chance. So I'm, I'm glad that we can even do that in this country. Because when you talk to people from Egypt and other places, they have no choice whatsoever. They don't even get to 
discuss political um, outcomes because the outcome is the same for 40 years. And um, so I think that as draining and horrible as it is to have to go through this every four years is actually what's keeping America alive and accountable to be reworking these things and to even have the ability to to wonder, are we really doing what we're supposed to? What what did the founding fathers think about this kind of stuff? Like, we never stop growing, like you said, if we don't um, educate ourselves and keep uh, learning and keep challenging ourselves. And I guess uh, in this country, there's no way to avoid that. No, no, I, I agree. It's definitely, um, it's always that strive to go farther. And I, and I hope that we can. I hope as a country and as a people, uh, we can find that farther ground and try to continue to improve ourselves because I want it. I have two little baby girls, one a foot away from me, and I want her to have the best life possible. And I can't imagine that if we just continue going down the same route or regress from it. Um, I want people to create a better future so she can create a better future and then so on from that point. And uh, a main thing that makes us that is what makes America democracy, people like yourself coming from Mexico and trying to make this place better and better for themselves like that. That is American. Um, But before we, you end uh, one thing I just wanted to say, someone that would say that, uh, you know, you're not really American that coming from another country to better yourself because there's something better over here. That is literally the epitome of what it is to be an American. We're literally like deuces England. I'm out. I'm going to go over to America now. And now it's America. Like that's, that's the point. And uh, I just wanted to say that, that whoever said that is incredibly dumb. I, I never heard it, but, but I would throw it my way if I was um, someone who's been here for a long time. And, in a sense, people don't say it, but they do it. And, and the way they treat people, like, um, you know, there's horrible stuff that's been coming out where people are frustrated with certain groups, even the ones that came here by force. And they say, well, you know, you can always go back to so-and-so or whatever. And it's this s- stupidity about how no one came here willingly, per se, because you were fleeing persecution in Europe or you were fleeing poverty or whatever. So do you think that people were excited to come and, and live in, in the middle of the forest with uh, other people that they didn't even understand or, or knew that were here? It's been a challenge to be in this part of the world. and It's been a challenge to make it thrive. And the only way that it truly thrives, thrives is that if we see it in the context of history. What I, one thing that when people get scared about other groups coming some of the groups that some of the people that are coming are people that are in a sense coming back because if you know history and you know like the origin of the species and all that people were coming from uh Asia up and then going down so if you see the people bridge, yeah. yeah so if people are migrating back like it's all about your perspective and then it's about resources and it's about the ability to survive so all your prejudice, all your your um, diminishing other groups and stuff like that can go away with education, with understanding, with spending time with people and understanding that they have the same dreams, the same aspirations, the same desire to, to thrive. And that 
hopefully this world is big enough that we can all um, share it. But um, it's easy to live in fear and to, to just not wanting to deal with anybody else's issues and problems. So um, I thank you for being on the show and having this very lively discussion. It's going to be broken into two shows. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I have my quota for, for the, the month fulfilled uh, with these <laughs> two shows. And uh, it's tough to keep a podcast going. Um, I, I wish you guys the best with, with your program. I hope we can have a, a relationship of su equal support. You do it so, so many times, you, you, it can become like a, a habit, like every week you have something going on, or it can become a burden when you're like, I don't know what to do, I don't know how to get uh, a show going, it takes so much out of me, and here in Houston, we had like a great progressive show that went on for like three years, and then it came to a point where the guy couldn't keep it going anymore, and mm. and I missed that show because it he brought in all these interesting ideas and concerns stuff like that but it was it was not sustainable so hopefully we can build a network or a, a station uh, an online station or something where we can uh, keep each other going because um, I, I'm afraid that the fluffy shows that are very superficial even about aliens you can talk about aliens in a superficial way for hours without really getting to the bottom of the, the subject and I guess we'll have you guys on the show. Maybe we can have the whole team. Uh, and yeah, we... I would. I would love it. Uh, you would. Uh, you definitely enjoy them. They're they're quite the characters. <laughs> I'm much more lively as myself. Uh, if you ever get a chance to watch them, um, I, I love these guys, and uh, they they like myself. They love discussing this and just anything really. Just having a discussion, being able to talk and learn and just converse. We're all very social people, and. Uh, I think it's important to, to have this, to, to have this platform. So I thank you for having us on and uh, definitely in the future uh, we will, I, I'm, I'm going to try this be, uh, to keep kind of this open community going with uh, myself, you, uh, many other podcasters that I'm reaching out to uh, because I, I'm, I'm not only reaching out, I'm sure you've done it in the past. I'm not only reaching out to experts, but I'm reaching out to just other podcasts. Um, and they're just people like myself. They don't have a specific background in something. It's just something that caught their attention. Um, but if you do enough interviews on one topic enough time, you end up kind of being, you know, the subject matter expert on that. And so I'm even just reaching out to people with other podcasts. Kind of create a little community of support. <laughs> yeah, I thought that the idea of a, of a podcast community was kind of goofy because I'm like, they're all talking about techno technology and like stuff that doesn't really affect me. It's a thousand different entrepreneurship oh, and marketing podcasts. It's all about marketing. And, and then even the religious uh, podcasts, they're all very similar. And mm -hmm. it's just like, you know, how to get through your day with, with, with God or something like that. It's like, I need some like really um, like beefy stuff. Like I need deeper um, conversations and, um, and I guess now that the, in a sense, the the airwaves or the internet uh, channels are open, that's also a form of democracy and and the ability to to have freedom of expression. That now anybody can have a show, and the technology is becoming more um, user friendly. That helps out a lot. Uh, and I think there are some people that if they didn't get to say their piece, they might go crazy and and hurt others. 
So maybe it's good that, that um, they have an avenue. But I wonder how many people are doing non-positive podcasts right now. And we have to fill the internet also with good information so we can fight some of that crazy stuff. No, so, I agree. Thanks a lot, man. Have a good night and uh, say hi to your babies for me. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. God bless.